Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to another edition of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. Richie, another uh, big news weekend for Rutgers. We had a, a basketball game on Friday. We had a football game on Saturday. The portal's heating up. We had a few new offers on the football side for the class of 2023. We'll get all mm-hmm. into that. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. You can head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of soccer bets uh, you could place right now if you want. I know yeah. um, I see it in the background there, so a 0-0 still, unfortunately. So my bet's not looking good. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're also, we're also sponsored by Adam Goldman. If you don't know Adam, he's the franchise coach. Um, he's a franchise veteran. He's been basically hooking up guys with setting up their own type of uh, franchise, whether that be a food industry business, uh, medical supplies, or something else like similar like that. Um, he's, he's an experienced guy when, when it comes of setting up these franchises. He's been doing this for 10-plus years. Um, he's also a Night Report member and a, and a Rutgers fan and a New Jersey native, uh, Watch on Hills guy. So give him a call today if you want to change up your career a little bit, um, 844-800-3726 um, or franchisecoach.net. Um, so let's – Let's start off with the football talk because that's kind of what everyone comes here for. Uh, Rutgers, once again, lost in blowout fashion on Saturday. Uh, it was a senior day, the last home game of the season. Rutgers mm-hmm. played Penn State. It was ranked number 11. They lost 55-10. to 10. This is another game where, you know, it didn't – it looked pretty competitive in the first half. And um, it just really came down to – some boneheaded mistakes and turnovers, and then the route was on. Tell me what you saw about this from this game, and did it kind of go as you expected? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I think I predicted 38-10. It was 55-10 in the end. Uh, but the first half, they looked pretty good. They looked solid. They were up 10-7 at one point, and uh, they, they were moving the ball nice. Like, it actually was moving the ball through the air a little bit, too. And I was like, oh, okay. No, maybe the offense is better now. Um, then eventually I think the offensive line just got worn down and they, they got destroyed. They were getting Wimsat hit quite a bit. And even when Wimsat had time, he started to panic and started to throw like these weird short passes, long passes. Yeah. Accuracy is still a major issue. Um, it's a shame that Rutgers isn't going to have Sean Bryan or Sean Ryan for another year as he's yeah. developing yep. into a really, really good receiver. He's probably going to be a late. He's going to be on an NFL team next year, whether that's yeah. as an undrafted guy or a late round pick. Like he's he's really shown way more than I saw from him at West Virginia or Temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he he's progressing really nicely over the past couple of weeks, especially. Um, hold on, I got the stupid ad in the background that I can't pause for some reason. All right, there we go. Um, 
Anyway, uh, Rashad Rochelle looks pretty good at running back. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know if I agree that he should still be at running back, especially with Sam Brown back next year. I think you could see his uh, versatility and athleticism in that open space type role. So, I mean, how do you not put him at receiver? There's no way he has stone hands, in yeah. my opinion. So he's, he just doesn't have the frame right now to be a, uh, a running back either. Like mm-hmm. you could run him in like the kind of the sweeps that uh, Aaron Crookshank does and like the occasional mm-hmm. handoff, but he can't hold up to more than like a gadget type role at running back. So I, I agree that he should be worked in more as a receiver. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it though. Like why, why put him at running back? But uh, it, it's tough. I guess you guys got to get him on the field at this point, but he, he's done really well. Um, the, de- the defense overall looked really good. I know after talking to some of the, the Penn state guys, I know up in the press box, they're like, who's that kid 23 on defense? Like he, he's not getting yeah. like, sacks but like he's, he's putting up a lot of pressure and i'm like yeah that's wesley bailey this kid's only played defensive end for what two years now three years yep. maybe um he was a tight end out of high school but he he's developing really nicely aaron lewis once again phenomenal man what a warrior he was um, you know it, i thought for you know a few minutes there that he tore his achilles from where he was holding it he was like pinching the back of his ankle and then he's you know out for a series and he comes back and he's just the dude is like probably the 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 guy who competes most on the defensive line week after week. I love watching him play. Yeah, he had a really good game. And then um, I, uh, the unsung hero of this game for Rutgers, at least on defense, might have been Avery Young. He forced a fumble. Yeah. Um, he did it. I forget. He got a nice sack at one point. Yeah, um, he had a nice sack early. This is all in like the first quarter to, you know, first quarter and a half. He, he forced the fumble of Nick Singleton to set up that, you know, short yeah. field. I think we ended up kicking a field goal there. Um, yeah, he had that nice sack on Sean Clifford on third down. That was, I mean, I've I've kind of dogged on him a bit because he's kind of given up a lot of, of big plays over his time, but he really did come to play on senior day. I do want to talk a little bit more about Gavin, though, because I do think that Gavin showed so much progression against Michigan State, and Shiano had mentioned mm-hmm. in the, the press conference that progression isn't always linear. You know, it's a, you know, as long as you're going in the same direction, it's good, but sometimes you're going to have ups, sometimes you're going to have downs. And this is a big down for Gavin because I thought he had – one of his worst games is a Scarlet Knight on Saturday, um, and it wasn't even because they were getting to him or hitting him. That first quarter, he just had so many errant throws. I think he missed four wide-open receivers in the first quarter, and mm-hmm. that really just set the tone for just how this game was going to go because we could have capitalized on those those wide-open receivers, gone up early in the game, and maybe this – I'm not saying we win, but we would have been much more competitive in this game had he not just been so erratic. Yeah, I mean – Oh, gone. It's just like sim- the same simple stuff. Like he's still like rolling out and sliding down rather than throwing it away or like the- to take a short loss rather than take no loss and set up, you know, second to 10 versus a second and 13. Like his footwork's all over the place. He's just throwing off his back foot or on the run. He just, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that like I thought was promising about Evan Simon is Evan Simon was willing to like step up and take the hit in the pocket because he knows he needs that extra half second for a guy to get open Gavin does not really seem to have that in him right now, and that's not really something you could teach into a quarterback. So, I don't know. Yeah, between that and accuracy alone, um, accuracy, it's kind of one of those things you kind of either have it or you don't. Like, it's its hard to perfect that and coach that and develop and teach that. Like, it's, uh, it's interesting. And then, like, uh, the biggest pet peeve with him that's pissing me off is, like, between the inaccuracy issues, but also the fact that, like, he has legs. Like, he ran quite a bit in high school. He was a true dual threat guy. And then there's just so many opportunities where he's just going to like force it or like run for like a yard instead of like, or not run for a yard, like just take, like take the sack or take the loss of yards instead of like just 
just run. Like you have the open field. Yeah. No one's open. Go up the field. We saw a glimpse of it in game one. And maybe it's the injury um, for the previous injury history from this year with the ankle. I hope that's the foot. case. I really do. If not, like that's, it's super concerning that he's not like processing it quick enough to be like, oh shit, run like open field. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing with quarterbacks. I would argue that, yeah, you can have the strength, the accuracy, but the biggest thing is you need to have the smarts. And that's a, a reason why Noah Vedro was the starting quarterback for the past three, three years, four years. I don't even know. Uh, yeah. For, you know, he would have been, it would have been three years this year had he not gotten mm-hmm. hurt in the spring or in the summer. I mean, at some point, like people were like, you know, harping on, <clears throat> on the boards and on, on Twitter and stuff like that, that, you know, it's such a small sample size of Gavin, like he'll turn it around. Like at this point, he's thrown over 150 passes in his college career. He's thrown 153. Guess what mm-hmm. his uh, completion percentage is right now. I'll it's it's got to be like 40s. Looking, just, it's 45.1% on 153 yeah. career yeah. passes. That Thanks. is abysmal. That is terrible. <laughs> and we can make excuses for him left and right. But this isn't like his his completion percentage on twenty one attempts last year. That is too small of a size to judge. But that mm-hmm. was forty two point nine. This year it's slightly higher than that. It's forty five point five. This is who he is. Like even if he made a massive improvement, which would be getting into like fifty five percent, fifty five percent is still a really low completion percentage. Like yeah. he basically needs to have like the Josh Allen miracle this off season in order to like really develop into an accurate passer. I just, it's tough to really say that's going to happen. I'll I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here and try to try to hype them up. Um, But like the receiving course stinks. They they can't get open. Sean Ryan's only got a Ken and that one where he was wide open uh, along the sideline. I think he overthrew and that was the pick. And then uh, the offensive line's just, it's bad. It's really bad. I know Kobe, like everyone wants him to be the option at guard. And I think I said this last week, I don't think he's a guard. But he, there was the one play where Wimsat fumbled on that sack from Curtis Jacobs. And if you watch Kobe on that play, he runs, Curtis Jacobs goes right yeah, past him. And Kobe him, just does 100%. a whole one, a whole 180. He's like, oh shit. Like, yep. Like, and maybe it's just a freshman mistake for Kobe and he'll develop into a nice player. I think he could be a really good center, but I, I don't think he's the option at guard. But the other issue is, is if you put Dorenzo back at guard, you have to issue a tackle. If you move Dorenzo at yep. tackle, you have an issue at guard. Um, Ireland Brown was out too, so then you have an issue at center, kind of. Zelenskis didn't do bad, but he didn't great either. So that's, I think, offensive line, wide receiver core. Johnny Langan had a pass that went right through his hands. Then he fumbled another Johnny, one. Johnny, man, like, holy crap. For a guy who's played as much ball as he has in college, mm-hmm. what an awful game for him against Penn State. He, <laughs> Not that, like, what, what was it? It was like second and 10, and it was like a dump-off <clears throat> pass to him. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he, he was, you know – one or two yards behind the line of scrimmage, he jumps for some reason. I don't know what he's jumping. He's jumping into two right. defenders, and then he doesn't even like doesn't even get jarred loose. He like just like you know loses the ball midair, and it's an easy scoop and score. Like what the f- what what are you doing there? You're, what, are you going to gain an extra yard to make it like you know third and ten? You just have to be smarter than that. And then the the easy drop that would have given us the first down like yep. two series later. Like <clears throat> he was terrible on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't get um, – I don't know if he's an answer. And he has another year technically. Does he come back? Who knows? Alimo has another year. Does he come back? Who knows? Um, Kanopka might be the best of the group, and that's not saying a whole lot because he, he's okay at best. Like Mike Higgins is still developing. They're, they have a tight end coming in, Logan Blake, but what do you expect out of him really? He's decent, but I don't know how good he'll be. And they, they obviously are throwing out offers at other tight ends now. So they're, it's, it's a very bad position group currently. 
it is and tight ends like line like offensive linemen and defensive linemen like those guys need a lot of time to develop their bodies to because mm-hmm. you're you're asked to do a lot as a tight end possibly like the most demanding position in football because you not only need to basically be almost as good of a blocker as a lineman but you need to be almost as good of a receiver as a wide receiver so it is a very tough position and it takes really special athletes to be a good tight end and Rutgers doesn't really seem to have a guy who can do both right now, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of hooks in the water. Uh, Mike Higgins and Victor Kanopka have shown some promise, but they're going to need to show a whole lot more next year. Um, I do want to talk about, I, th- I thought somebody had a great post <clears> on <throat> the board. It's, it's LI Knight, and it's just kind of describing how this team's like three stages tend to go against good teams where we have. This initial phase, which is the competitive phase, where things are going well, Rutgers is you know showing it can compete with these top teams as long as they don't make big mistakes. <laughs> and then there's just an implosion phase where somebody yeah. makes a mistake and then everybody starts making mistakes, whether that be penalties, whether that be turnovers, whether that be just like running the wrong route. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to catch this bug, and then it just starts this third phase where it's just the aftermath and like it's just like this. Half, like second half long malaise where it's kind of like you're shell shocked and you just want the game to end and it's just hard for everybody to watch it's hard for the players so what do you think can help break this 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 implosion phase that we find ourselves in time after time against these good teams it's it's tough it's like it's the good old are you screwed it's been around for god knows how long um but no it seems like they're they're putting together good first halves i and the second half, it's just a collapse, uh, whether that be um, this game, whether it be the game before that or the game even before that. It's been a struggle in these past couple games. And that's just I think it's just a fact of the, the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the toughest conference. I didn't say Big Ten East. I said Big Ten. That's like yep. you had a 31-0 loss against Minnesota, the 52-17. Yep. Then you look competitive against Michigan State. And then back to Penn State, and you, you look awful again. Yep. Um, you you got to recruit better. End of, that's end of story. Um now, I'm not saying, like, some of these recruits won't pan out in this class, but this is by far Shiano's worst class since he's been back, in my opinion. Um, yep. Now, some of them might pan out. I think Deshaun Benjamin's underrated. I think Fama Toure is underrated. I think Braithwaite's a pretty good receiver, too. Um, but there's also some questionable ones, like guys that you probably don't take until it's, like, a December-type time or November when you're looking to just fill spots. But Abraham Wright, another one who I think should actually be bumped up, and I actually just submitted a request to bump him up the other day. But uh, they they have some good ones, but it's it's recruiting and then portal too. Like your portal guys, yeah. Sean Ryan panned out. Um, who else came in the portal? Billy Tyler was a bust. JD Dorenzo panned out. Yeah, he kinda. he hasn't been as good as I would have hoped, but Dorenzo has <clears> been <throat> a serviceable player. Yeah, I mean that, um, it's 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 tough with the portal too. Like that you can hit and miss, and it's you got to recruit better guys at the end of the day. And I think this offseason, you've got to hit the portal as hard as possible for linemen. Uh, not just linemen, any yeah. offensive skill player, too. Like, you need to hammer that one away. Like, it's, it's, been, it's been ugly. Like, most of these portal guys, like, they're getting aren't like – like, Willie Tyler, how many offers did he really have in the end? And he just – he's been awful. Yeah, SMU, I don't know Rutgers, his full situation, uh, but to bounce around <clears> that <throat> much um, is not usually a good sign. Yeah. Dunlap uh, but was if you, awful. Taj Harris was a bust. If you just take a look at our, our our depth chart, though, like people who shit on the portal and say it stunts development, uh, like 
a lot of these guys, they need to take their first two to three years to like get their bodies ready, to get their head, their, mm -hmm. their, 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 their minds ready for what a grind college football is. But you look at our depth chart, Sean Ryan is a transfer guy. He, he's worked out well. Aaron Cruikshank, transfer guy, worked out well. Willie Tyler, transfer guy, no. Curtis Dunlap, transfer guy, no. Ireland Brown, transfer guy, he's worked yeah. out. J.D. Yeah. Dorenzo, transfer guy, he's worked out. Johnny Langan, transfer guy. Uh, hit or miss, I'd say he's right down the middle. I wouldn't say he's a, been a bust or been successful. Young Noah, boy. Yeah, Noah, Noah Vedral has been, you know, meh when he's been healthy and playing. You find Maja, he's a starter as a transfer. He's been pretty good. Not like, a, you know, one of our best defensive line, but serviceable. Christian Braswell is a transfer. He's been fantastic. If you look to last year, Trey Avery, who's now in the NFL doing really well, he's had his moments. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have so many transfer guys who have made an impact here that the portal is so important to this program to help let those younger guys develop and to just make us competitive. Um, because I don't think we win four games this year without the contributions of a lot of these transfer guys. Yeah, no, and I, I know a lot of people keep preaching on the boards. They're like, yeah, well, do we really need a transfer with the freshman offensive linemen? Like, offensive line is the group that takes the longest to develop. So yeah. I don't anticipate yep. any of them as starters next year, to be honest with you. Maybe Kobe, if they want to keep him at guard. But yep. I, don't, I don't anticipate Kobe overtaking uh, Iowa and Brown. And then, yeah. like, the rest are tackles and, like, a guard or two. But, like, still, like, I don't see these guys taking over these spots. Like, I think you keep hitting the portal, keep developing those guys on the side. Maybe they get reps here and there. Maybe you give them like a backup reps or garbage time reps or whatever you want to call it. But it's the same thing with every other position. Like you start grooming, like uh, you get a transfer, probably a defensive tackle again. If if Myjay yep. and Myjay has gone, if Ahana two leaves, get another transfer, put them in there, and just keep developing the bit the big guys in the trenches. Um, it's huge. But transfer portal is the easiest way to rebuild this program. And it helps with development, like you mentioned, and it also helps with being good for a year. Look at Michigan State. Yeah. They were a 10-win team because of the transfer portal. Then they're a 5-win team this year, 6-win. I don't know if they won that game. I think they lost to Indiana. They did lose to Indiana, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, it, I mean, it builds on itself. So kids want to play at successful programs, <laughs> and the more successful you are, the better recruits you're going to get. So you, you help backfill that pipeline when you can actually compete and win. Like, I, I wish there was a metric for, like, how many – how much – how many benefits that like a guy like Kenneth Walker provided to Michigan state with monetarily. And also from like the average recruiting ranking, they're going to get from a guy because they can point to that dude and be like, Hey, you know, we develop guys here. We also, you know, we get guys to step in in the transfer portal and we turn them into NFL stars. So uh, you can recruit kind of both ends of that. Um, yeah. I mean, they had a top 25 class last year. Yep. Now they have like a top 40 class. And is, is it yep. based on record a hundred percent? No, but it definitely helps. Oh yeah, so so. Anyway. Is there anything else about that Penn State game that you wanted to go over? Uh, th th for me, there wasn't too many positives. I thought the I thought the defense played really well to start the game. Mm -hmm. Like they they had a few big plays allowed, but they just really shut down that Penn State running game. I thought they played with their you know totally lights out until the wheels started to fall off at the end of the second quarter. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Austin Dean stepped up kind of well. I yeah, thought he had, yep. a, he had a pretty good game. He was getting involved in a lot of stuff. So that was good to see, considering Jennings was out. Um, got, Jennings actually has had a great year. I know I, we haven't talked about him much, but he, he's had a really good year for Rutgers. And uh, he might have played himself into, like, a rookie minicamp slash undrafted free agent type type of deal now. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, other than that, the defense looked phenomenal. Um, 
pay Harris Simeon whatever you need to this offseason because he's he's going to have some suitors. Yep. But yeah, that's that's all I got. All right, let's pivot to to football recruiting then. Then after that, we'll, we'll get into some basketball stuff. So we we had a few new offers uh, in the class of twenty twenty three, which mm-hmm. is kind of surprising this late. Um, but tell us a little bit about the the new offers we put out, and then we'll talk transfer portal after. So the two new offers were both visitors this past weekend. One was tight end slash offensive lineman uh, Nadir Chirchi, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Virginia yep. kid um, doesn't have a ton of offers really. He's got like Charlotte, UConn, uh, Rutgers, VMI, and that's actually it currently. All all programs are per- pursuing him as a either a tight end or lineman. I know Rutgers told him he's an athlete, so basically. It's like, hey, we'll get you on campus. We'll kind of see how we can build you, whether that be add, uh, I think he's 6'7", 250. Add 25 pounds of muscle or, or more and become a lineman or just add like 10 and stay at tight end. Um, I personally, after watching little clips and like right before this and talking to you about it, what, what you watched, I think we're, we're both in agreement. He's, he's not a pretty good tight end. He's probably more of a blocking guy. So yeah. it would lead me towards him being an offensive lineman at the next level. Um, but then again, I did say that about Kanopka, and now Kanopka is still a tight end. So, um, yeah. who really knows in that aspect? That's it's a weird group. Maybe just get the best blocker possible and just throw him there. But uh, uh, the other one was Vincent Jackson at uh, Central Dolphin in Harrisburg, PA, Central Dolphin East. Um, I don't know if I pronounced that school correctly either, but uh, he's got a couple more offers. Um, he's got like Buffalo, Akron, UConn again, Kent State, New Hampshire, um, Ohio. Uh, he's just a massive kid. He's like 6'6", six, six, like 280, 285, something like that. Um, he, he's just big body guy. Uh, I'm still doing some like reconnaissance, as, as I like to call it. I'm still like talking to like a couple coaches from the area, trying to figure out like what what's he good at? Like, oh, what do you what stands out about this kid? Why is he so under recruited at that size in an area that's pretty well known for high school football? Um, so it's, it's a little interesting. I'm still trying to learn more about him, but he, he is a massive guy. So we'll, we'll see how it happens there. But he also is on campus and got the offer. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's kind of – they're going to punt to the portal, it seems like. And that that's, that's probably the right thing to do because, like we just said, you get immediate help, and it, it helps your program get better too. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I think when you're deciding between going after either, you know, a sleeper – high school recruit, especially along the lines or a portal guy, I would say you almost always lean the portal guy because, mm-hmm. you know, you could spend three years developing a kid who, you know, is either a guy you like as an athlete or a kid who, you know, you think is a little under the radar and then it could turn out he's just not very good. But these portal guys, you typically have three to four years of film on them because a lot of them are grad transfers. So you know what you're getting. And if you don't like what you're seeing, you don't recruit him. But most of the time, you, you will like what you're seeing in a portal guy if you're you know actually pursuing him. So I always think you should lean towards the portal guy. Speaking of portal guys, though, uh, today has seemingly been like the day the portal started to heat up. Um, if you guys have been following the portal thread on the boards, uh, we have eight new follows from the staff in the last 24 hours um, from, you know, <laughs> from a lot of different positions, primarily from FCS schools because the FCS season, regular season ended and a lot of these teams either didn't make the playoffs or, or have been eliminated already. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've been catching up with, with, with what's going on with Rutgers in the portal. I do think there's one really interesting uh, name that's shown up there. Um, 
His name's Gavin Pringle. He's a corner from Bucknell. So Joe Susan, who's currently the interim tight ends coach uh, for Rutgers, was the head coach at Bucknell, Bucknell prior to joining the staff again under Shiano. And he was mm-hmm. the guy who recruited uh, Gavin Pringle to Bucknell. And he's just been nothing but you know a fantastic player there. He's a three-time All-Patriot player. He had by far his best season this year. He had 42 tackles, three picks, and 18 pass breakups in 10 games this year for uh, the Bison. And so he's just, you know, obviously Greg Schiano went to Bucknell as well. Uh, he had a really good PFF grade. Uh, he had an 81.4 grade, which is the 53rd best corner grade out of 940 qualifying corners this year. Uh, so he's just a ball hawk, and he's he's got the ball skills to play at this level. Um, I really think he would be a great addition to the, the corner room, especially because we're losing Christian Braswell. We could use another really high-end corner, and you can never have enough corners, honestly. Um, yeah, no, he's 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 interesting because uh, Maryland kid, so obviously he's from the area. Um, he, he's done pretty good, and not to mention, I know you mentioned Shiano went to Bucknell and Susan coached there, but didn't uh, one of Shiano's sons play there as well? I believe Joe Shiano played at Who's, Bucknell, who's now on the staff as well. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting. He might have name. actually he might have actually played with Gavin. I'll have to mm-hmm. check that because I think he I think Joe graduated in like 2018 or 2019, so I would check out. Yeah, um, now mind you. It's a big jump. We've seen it with Brandon Sanders, and Brandon Sanders wasn't the best. Obviously, medically retired, and he honored on Senior Day on Saturday yep. as well. But uh, it, it is a big jump. But some sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It's just that's recruiting as a whole. Yeah, um, but it is. I think it's interesting to see like what what positions the staff is is primarily targeting in the portal based on their follows. It looks like mm-hmm. so far, maybe just looking at numbers, we're looking at a. We're looking at adding a quarterback. We're looking at adding multiple receivers. Receivers by far the, the most uh, targeted mm-hmm. um, position group. Looks like defensive line and defensive back are also two positions that they're, they're currently looking at. But they followed their first offensive lineman today, uh, Trevor Rasadovic. Uh, sorry, Radcevic from UPenn. He's a center. He's a three-year starter there. He's from Manalapan. I think this is a guy we should also take a, a real hard, long look at because uh, – He's been a three-year starter at UPenn. He's got really good grades on PFF. This year he's finished as the 32nd best center out of almost 300 qualifying centers. Seen a lot of interest since he jumped into the portal from from uh, both Power 5 and uh, Group of 5 schools. Um, I think he'd probably be a guy you could just have step in and, and short the center position because obviously Gus Salinskis, Shiano talked about this specifically, he wasn't ready to play last year when he was called in. I still don't really think he's ready to play. Ireland Brown has been hit or miss this year, in my opinion. So it would mm-hmm. be nice to stabilize that center position while the other guys could develop. Because, I mean, if you remember, Ireland Brown switched over from defensive line to center mid-season last year. So yeah. he, it would be nice to let him develop a little bit more, become like a, a more of a rotational guy uh, and get some, some reps in at lower uh, stakes situations. Yeah, I, Shiano said it in the past. Like, if, if there's a guy that's better out there that they can add to their team, whether that be high school or transfer, they're going to do it, obviously. So yep. if this kid's this kid, based on, I don't know, stats or like and how how good the Ivy League really is, but a lot of schools are picking up Ivy League guys. Look at Penn State's left yep. guard this past week. He, yep. he was a Cornell guy. The year before that, they had a Harvard guy. There's a Davidson guy at Northwestern who's, I think, playing himself into an NFL role. Um, the, the Ivy, maybe Davidson's not Ivy, but – that level of football is uh, – it's not crazy for them to make that jump. Hell, Dorenzo's probably your best lineman, and he, second best maybe if you count Alan Pierce. Um, 
you can go back and forth with that one. But and he's from fucking Sacred Heart, like yep. So it's not crazy. Yeah. And, the, and it, there's a reason why so many FCS guys are drafted by the NFL too. Like they can clearly evaluate talent. And if you just kind of look up and down every NFL roster, mm-hmm. every NFL roster has FCS guys on it. So the talent is there. Sometimes it's you know they're they're under recruited. Sometimes they you know grow three inches in college. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. They just take football seriously for the first time in college. So it's there's so many reasons why a good player could be in the FCS that I don't really think it's it's fair to just blanket statement say he plays at this level, he can't do it at the Big Ten because that's clearly not the case. Yeah. Now, will it work out for everybody? Absolutely not. But it will work out for some, and that's kind of where the talent evaluation comes into it and the development of players comes into it. Yeah, and offensive line, and like I've said it so many times before, this is like the hardest position to judge. You don't know what a guy's going to yeah. look like or how fast he's going to be when he adds 40 pounds or 30 pounds or loses in this, in case of uh, like a Holland Pierce. Like no one knew who he was, and then he lost yep. like, what, 70, 80 pounds? And they're like, holy shit, this kid's pretty good. Like, he, Yeah, I, I, I want to say that he came into Rutgers weighing 450 pounds, and now he's yeah. at like 330. So he's it's, lost like he's lost like he's lost like a cheerleader's worth of weight since he got to Rutgers rebuilding his body. So yeah, it's, it's so it's much a hit, they're hit or miss. So I mean that's why these guys are popping up like in the portal every year, and it's like all right now with the way the portal is, like I'm gonna play my four years, get my Ivy League, Ivy League degree, and then go boom right up. Yep. So yeah, so the portal's getting crazy. Um, stay tuned because I mean. This is the first week the staff seems to really kind of be diving into it because it's the first week that, you know, guys are truly, like, officially entering it on in on mass. So just stay stay tuned. And as the season ends and Rutgers isn't going to be going to a bowl this year, I think you'll see the staff really ramp up their efforts in the in the, uh, the transfer portal coming up in the yeah. following weeks. Um, so I don't have any more football stuff. Let's pivot to basketball. So... Rutgers played Friday night at Mohegan Sun, uh, played by far their worst game of the season. They just couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, Temple just totally dominated that game. We lost 72 to 66, but the, the final score isn't really indicative of how, uh, how much Temple outplayed Rutgers because um, they were up by like 10 plus for the majority of the game. Rutgers closed the, the lead late, but uh Tell me a little bit about what you saw from that game. And uh, we have a game tomorrow against Ryder. And what do you hope to see fixed for that game? Um, I mean, for starters, I, I have to eat a lot of crow on that one. I kind of talked <laughs> shit about Temple like the week before. Yeah. But uh, yep. um, I, I will stand true to the fact that they only had two players. But there's probably a third now, I guess you can argue. Um, Jamil Reynolds had a hell of a game. And I'm a little surprised they didn't attack um, Cliff a little more. Like He was, he was putting yep. up pretty, pretty good buckets on Cliff. And uh, defensively, Quiff looked like uh, he, he had some issues with him. And don't get me wrong, this isn't like a, like an unknown guy. Like, Jamil Reynolds played pretty well at UCF before transferring to Temple. But, um, yeah, he, he gave Quiff some fits, and I was a little shocked. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Um, obviously, Khalif Battle and Jay Guy, Matucha Native, um, lit it up like 8 of 17. They locked down Dunn, but Rutgers had no answer for Khalif Battle whatsoever. Um, the ball without the ball without Paul, that kind of rhymes. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's without Paul at point guard, you have no one that can dribble up the ball. I think Cam Spencer's best role, he can do it technically, but his best role would be off ball and spotting up and doing stuff like that. But when it comes to him taking up the ball, you're just losing another shooter. And then you got Derek Simpson who, who looked like a freshman out there. He was one of 11, like he couldn't hit a bucket. And then 
end of the day, this team just couldn't hit a three for the life of them. They hit two threes. This game's completely different. Yeah, but and that, that three came in the waning moments by Derek Simpson. Like, we got, you know, basically nothing out of our starting guards until the end. Like, Cam Spencer had, you know, he scored a bunch towards the end on, like, dribble uh, penetration and, and, like, layups. Mm-hmm. But I, I, wanted, I think I texted this to you. I think we had, like, you know, we were one for, like, 15 to start from our guards shooting-wise. Um, yep. It was just a really, really bad night. We went, as a team, one for 16 from three. 19 for 29 uh, from the line, that's 65%. I think we were in the high 70s or in the 80s for every other game from the free throw line. Like, if you just look at some of the stats like, <clears throat> on their own, you would really be puzzled as to how we lost this game because Temple committed 25 fouls, we committed 18. Temple committed 20 turnovers, we committed yep. 13. Rutgers had 12 steals, Temple had 6. Temple, though, it was a much that better passing... They they yeah they got they out rebounded us they they also passed the ball way better than us which is very concerning kind of goes to your point of like this team really doesn't have like a great uh, a great facilitator outside of Paul because Temple they came into this game I I, I want to say averaging like twelve assists a game they had seventeen assists to Rutgers nine Rutgers just our our ball movement was just horrendous oh. against Temple like the, it was like. It was like a beautiful game to watch the, for the first three games because the ball movement was so seamless. Everyone mm-hmm. seemed to be making that correct extra pass, like finding the open man in the corner or getting the, the easy like layup or, or dunk from Cliff. Like, but none of that was on display against Temple, and that's what really concerns me is because if Paul does miss more time, this team is not, like Derek Simpson. The first like three the first like three possessions, the one he threw out of bounds, the one he like dribbled oh. into nobody and got tangled up and turned the ball over. And the other, I want to say that he also like threw a bad pass and he got stolen, but he was just really, really bad as the primary facilitator. Yeah, and then um, when you're missing two players, it kind of shows your depth a little bit, and there's just there isn't really much depth beyond that starting seven or that, that first seven players. Like after that, like the bench had two points combined on what one of seven shooting, yep. and uh, what do you call it? Like Reber came in and Reber didn't even take a shot, which was weird. Like, yeah, I, I I know like there's a lot of hype behind him behind like beat writers and a couple couple reporters and stuff this off season, but he he's not playing at all whatsoever. Wolfolk has basically taken his spot. It seems like, but he barely played too. Yep. Um, this was just about shutting down those guards, and they shut down one. I would argue because Damian Dunn didn't really do much, and he was the nation's leading scorer going into the game. But yeah, they couldn't do anything for battle, and um, it's also a tale of two halves. This this team gave up 38 points in the, in the first half, and. They gave up 34 in the second half. It doesn't look like much of a difference, but they played phenomenal in the second half. They scored 43. They played really good defense, and it was a lot of free throws at the end of the game too yep. that made them get to that 34 mark. But um, the, the second half, they're a completely different team. Like, and I think, honestly, it's not crazy to say this. I think if this game played out for two to three more minutes, Rutgers might have pulled this out because they I were was on like, say- a little bit of a run. I was going to say something like that, but it's like kind of like, a, what's the point? Like, if this game yeah. had a third half, Rutgers would have won this game because they yeah. did play a lot better. And I think it's primarily, if if you were watching, it's because they started to press in the second half, and the press was really <laughs> effective against Temple. And I don't know why they only did it for, like, the final 15 minutes. Like, Pike is not afraid to change up strategy mid-game. And, you know, it was clear that whatever they planned to do against this team was not working in the first five minutes, first 10 maybe max Mm-hmm. They needed to change their strategy, and, and to Bikes' credit, he did in the second half. But if they would have started pressing earlier in the game, I think we probably would have 
poss- I, I don't want to say they would have won, but I think it's what mo- much more likely they would have won than they would have lost uh, because yeah. that press was just devastating uh, for Temple. They were making a lot of mistakes when they were getting pressed. The the rebounding too, like that's a big thing. I know Pike said yeah. it last year. He's like, or this off season, he's like, yeah, we're a much better rebounding team, but like. I, I don't see it. Like it's maybe yeah, Cliff either. gets his his ten plus, but everyone else, it's like eh. Mag Mag had a couple. Um, I think most of those came late though, if I recall correctly. I think he only had three going into like the final ten minutes, and then he got like three within like a two minute span. Um, Hyatt's not getting rebounds. I know Caleb will help that, and Paul helps that too because of their size when they come yep. back. But you need these guys back if you want to make any type of any type of run this season. Now. Adversity has been interesting for Pike because every time there was like an adversity type game like this, or like Lafayette last year, they go on a crazy run. So, yeah, so yeah. I, mind you, the schedule going forward is not very good. Like Ryder, Ryder tomorrow is it's awful. Central Connecticut State's awful, but Miami, Indiana, Ohio State, Seton Hall, Wake Forest is a hell of a stretch. If they could pull out three to four wins in that group, that that's that's huge. Yeah, you say Riders all. I don't think they're awful. Like if you look at their schedule, they yeah. played they played Providence to a one point game at Providence. They, I think Stetson is is supposed to be pretty good this year. Um, they beat someone of, big this year. The Atlantic Sun, Stetson did. Yeah, Stetson beat. Uh, they beat South Florida and Florida State. So, yeah, so Stetson's <laughs> no joke. Um, so Riders been playing a lot of good games. Rutgers is going to need to come to play uh, tomorrow <laughs> night because. I don't think they'll overlook teams like they might have last year, but at the same time, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're down right now, assuming that the injuries don't make any changes. You're down two of your best three players at the moment, maybe two of your best four, because I think Cam has kind of elevated himself into probably the second or third best player on this team. But let's just say you're you're missing two of your best four players. You need those guys in order to really, especially like as we're going into the Big Ten season, like in the next week or maybe the next two weeks. Like you're going to need mm-hmm. all your guys ready to go because when we play Indiana on the third, we're going to need. When we play at Miami, we're going to need Caleb. We're going to need Paul. So I hope that their injuries don't really side them, slide them for more than this week because we're going to be in really rough shape trying to go against those teams without our, all our dudes. Yeah, I know their numbers don't look crazy, but the the one guard Dwight Murray from Georgia, like he's putting up some really good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's a transfer from somewhere. I forget where he's from exactly. Uh, Incarnate Word or whatever, he's a transfer. The, the whole lineup's transfers actually. The Tariq Ingram's a pretty good center. He he's a former PA guy. I don't know if Rutgers fans remember him, but they 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 did offer him out of high school back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, he committed to Wake Forest, signed with Wake Forest, and then transferred up to Temple. I mean, there's not like they're nobodies. Like these guys are multiple ranked recruits for a program like yeah. Ryder. That's pretty impressive. <clears throat> um, I'm interested to see how Ingram goes against Cliff because if. I know he's a little smaller, but Reynolds was a little smaller than Quiff too, and gave him fits. Like yep. um, Quiff definitely didn't look like an NBA center defensively last game, um, or uh, I guess offensive toy too. He definitely picked it up in the end, but they they needed they can't take anyone for granted anymore. This is it. And look around college basketball. Look at all of the losses. Ohio beat Michigan yesterday on a yeah. buzzer beater. <clears throat> um, Florida State's zero and three or or one and three against like Stetson and other programs. Yep. Um, teams are losing left and right. Like this is it's a dangerous year in college basketball, and you cannot look past any single program whatsoever. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Uh, Michigan's lost two games. They 
probably should have won at this point um, against <clears throat> Arizona State. They got blown out. And then, like you said, against Ohio, um, there's been a lot of quote-unquote buy games is what they call them because you basically say you got a team that come play at your yeah. arena and usually they're not very good. Um, but yeah, Dwight Murray's dangerous. He's hitting 47% of his threes this year. And that's on pretty high volume on over four or three attempts a game. And two years ago, he hit 42% of his threes. Um, he had a bit of a down year last year, but he's a dangerous player. He's a little undersized. He's only six feet tall, but he's probably, you know, they're, they're Damian Dunn. We need to shut him down because a lot of their offense mm-hmm. goes through him. I think he averages like, uh, so they average 76 game, points a game and he's got almost 21 of those. So he's, you know, a quarter of their scoring right off the top. So if you stop him, you probably slow down their offense significantly. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a game you could just sleepwalk through and I hope Rutgers comes to play. And I, I hope that they're not the same, like we play really good at home, but we are very mediocre on the road again <laughs> because that's uh, that's a show I'm tired of watching. So yeah, we will see, I guess. It's, 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 it's tough. Like, um, Dan, every time you say, like, there's a, a small point guard, it always makes me think back to that Fordham game and Nick Honor. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, it's, the kid's given so many Rutgers, like, beat writers and fans nightmares. And now, like, you yep. see a six foot point guard, and it's like, oh, shit, he's shooting like 50%. Like, ah, oh, here we go again. Yep. But uh, yep. you got to watch out for him. Um, it's, I, I think they win this pretty easily, but you can't look past it either. No. And I hope. I really hope that that Caleb and, and Paul can come back for next week. I, I think if you mm-hmm. played them tomorrow, I think you'd kind of be asking yourself, well, why the hell didn't they play on Friday? If they were good to go today, they probably were good to go Friday too. Uh, we could have used them, but I yeah, hope that – game by game basis, so we'll yeah. see. All right, so we, co- we covered a lot. I don't have any more. Do you have anything you wanted to mention before we sign off here, Rich? Um, big USA soccer game in uh... – yep. Probably about an hour or so. Um, yeah, I have the Shama press conference coming up real quick. Um, ask him about uh, all the good stuff that happened this weekend and upcoming weekend. Uh, I think Maryland will get a preview. I don't know if we have a guest or not yet, do we? No, right? Not at the moment, but we're, uh, we're oh, trying to we'll, get somebody now. Yeah, we'll figure something out. I did reach out to RJ Dill, but he hasn't answered me yet. So I thought okay. that'd be a cool one. Rutgers, that would Maryland be a cool one. Guy. Um, Interestingly enough, he's been retweeting a lot of uh, a lot of Maryland stuff recently, so maybe he's a Maryland guy again. I mean, he did spend four years there and just one year here, True. so I, I think yeah. it's just so easy to like to assume that loyalties lie somewhere. Like, there's been so many you know players both in the NFL and those who haven't gone to the NFL only spent one year at a school. Mm-hmm. But that's what they're most remembered for. Like for some reason, like Russell Wilson, it doesn't. It's not remembered really at all that he played at NC State for four years before you went to Wisconsin, but that's true. So, but yeah, no, anyway, big soccer game on today. Um, bunch of big soccer games. Uh, so stay tuned for that. If you haven't watched it yet and you don't really know much about soccer, you got two Rutgers and alumni as like the analyst. I saw Carly Lloyd on TV talking with Alexi Lalas before. So that was pretty cool. And, um, go USA. That's all I got. Yeah, and if you haven't seen Alexi since his Rutgers days, you probably won't recognize him because he looks uh, very buttoned up, very corporate now as compared to uh, just a wild child when he was on the banks. Uh, But everybody, we really appreciate you tuning in once again. Stay tuned to the boards. Stay tuned to your podcast feed because if there's any news that breaks between now and our Maryland preview, we will certainly do a pod for it. Um, But for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Network Podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.